We're going to begin Genesis chapter 5 today, but I'm going to finish up and summarize Genesis chapter 4. Genesis chapter 4 was the sin of Cain, how he ended up killing his brother. Fundamentally, the sin of Cain was he wanted to worship God in his own way, not by the prescribed way, and he wanted to do his own thing. And this is fundamentally the demise of individuals, the demise of human beings, wanting to worship God in our own way and to do our own thing. He ended up killing his brother, and then we, then we saw the, the uh, so many people that were his descendants where they learned how to work in, in metalwork and in music and all the different pieces of the culture that were forming. And you see this family of the people of God, this family of the people of God, that, that, that there was this division in Cain that no longer served God. There was no reference to God from his descendants. And people will fill their lives with doing things other than worshiping God. And this is exactly what happened. You know, all of this, this was taking place. So now you see that, that in the end of this chapter 4, it says that Adam and Eve had another son named Seth, which means steady which means fixed. And it was through Seth that we're going to see the Messiah is going to come because the Bible references this for us. It gives us a reference that, that dates back to his, his, uh, his coming. So in, I'll just read it quickly. Luke 3.38 says, The son of Enosh, the son of Seth, the son of Adam, the son of God. So if you look at the genealogy of Jesus in the, book of, in the Gospel according to Luke, it starts at Jesus and it works its way right on back to Adam. Genealogies are very important because we want to see the line in which they came. It has to be a valid line because there are certain lines that have been cut off, certain lines that had been cursed. And, and uh, so you see this line that is going right on back to, to uh, uh, Adam, and it says, Adam, the son of God, and then, and then it was through Seth. It is through this new son, Seth, that has replaced what was in Abel because, because Cain had killed him. So in, in, in chapter 4, verse 26, it says to Seth, to him also a son was born, and he called his name Enosh. Then men began to call upon the name of the Lord. It was through this line men began to call upon the name of the Lord. So if we look in the next chapter, chapter 5, we're going to look at the descendants of Adam. This is going to be the patriarchal names, the descendants of Adam. Adam lived, everyone saw Adam throughout what we're going to read in this chapter, up until Noah. So eventually when Noah is born, Noah is born after the death of Adam. But everyone else in this chapter, through that point, lives during the lifetime of Adam. So you see the continuity of the lifetimes. Now you're going to see lifetimes in here that are going to exceed 800 years normally, often more than 900 years. Sometimes there's somebody who didn't live very long, they lived to the 700s of years. And you say, that this, this is just, you know, they couldn't count back then, you know? No, they counted very, very well. In fact, you see them doing arithmetic all the time. There were a number of years before their, when, their, when this son was born, when they were this old, and then this many more years. And you see all the arithmetic works out. So they knew arithmetic very well. You say, well, people can't live that long. That's right. They don't live that long today. The Bible even says that after the flood, God says, I'm not going to contend with people anymore. They're just living too long. I'm going to keep their days down to around 120. And so then you see the patriarchs where, where you see, for example, Joseph 
and, and Abraham, they lived in that 120 year time range. And then we find out in Psalm 90, Moses writes, now the lives are going to be cut even shorter to 70 years if due to strength 80 years, which is exactly where we are today. And you say, well, how can that be? Well, if you understood entropic decay curves within biology, you would understand how that could be. You start out with very long times and then it drops very rapidly and then it curves around and that's where you start seeing that, that uh, 140 years, 120 years and then it levels off and it stays for a long period of time. That's exactly the period that we are in. So if you look that Moses is writing 1400 BC that lives now are going to be 70 or 80 years, that's still what we've got now. So that's the normal, <clears throat> normal entropic decay curve. You say, well, well, bodies can't live that long. Actually, if you were studying aging, if you were studying life extension, you would see that there's much about organic chemistry that can last that long. We lose these, these, these fraying in the end of our DNA and these telomeres, and we're learning about these things and trying to prevent that because there should be that much longer life. But something is causing this degradation. So, so to, to immediately <clears throat> dismiss this as, as fantasy might be because we don't know that much, all right? That could well be, <clears throat> that the Bible could very well be right. They certainly knew the math because you see math used all the time and their arithmetic is right on. <clears throat> and so you see these sorts of things. And even, even when they're building the tabernacle, people will say, oh, they didn't understand pi because they said it was a factor of three between the, 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 this washing tub from, from the, the, the circumference to the diameter. And actually, they say, they say so, the, the, so Moses had it wrong. No, Moses actually had it right, because if you look even in that, it says that it was a hand-breath thick, hand-breath thick. So it gave the inner diameter, <clears throat> gave the, the inner diameter versus the outer circumference. And as soon as you take that into account, it comes right on, on, on pi. So there are lots of things where people like to try to point out problems, but it's generally because we don't know very much that we get it wrong. <clears throat> so let's start reading in Genesis chapter 5, verse 1. This is the book of the generations of Adam. In the day when God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. He created them male and female. And he blessed them and named them man in the day when they were created. When Adam lived 130 years, he became the father of a son in his own likeness, according to his own image, and he named him Seth. Then the days of Adam, after he became the father of Seth, were 800 years, and he had other sons and daughters. So all the days of Adam that Adam lived were 930 years, and he died. Now again, many people say, where, where did these people get their wives? Right here it says they had, they had other sons and daughters. They had other sons and daughters. And remember it said of Eve, I will multiply, multiplying, I will multiply her conceptions. So she, she had lots of children. Women were bearing a lot of children in those days, both men and women, but it's just tracking certain lines. We had learned about the line of Cain, and now that ceased. Now we're going to learn about the line that's coming from this anointed son, Seth. People started to call upon the name of the Lord now through this line of Seth this descendant of Adam. And it says, when it says in verse 1, this is the book of the generations of Adam. So in other words, this suggests that Moses is the compiler, that the books already existed. Moses in 1400 BC is just the compiler of other books to pull this together. 
So Moses is, is compiling here. In the days when God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. So when God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. And this is what it tells us in Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created man and he made them male and female. Remember that word man is anthropos. We think, oh man, well, how come he didn't include women in here? They are included. It's the word anthropos. It's like when we say the word mankind, it means humankind. And this is this, this, this gender neutral word. He created him man, mankind, humankind, and he made him in the likeness of God. He created them male and female. Male and female have been made in the likeness of God, in the image of God. Male and female have been made. With God, you see both masculine uh, 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 analogies and feminine analogies. When Jesus said, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how I, how I longed to gather your children like a hen gathers her chicks. When God compared himself to a nursing mother in the book of Isaiah. So you see these sorts of tendencies that, that God is gender, doesn't have a specific gender. Now when he came to earth in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, he came as a man because he was initiating the process of the love coming out toward us. <clears throat> he created them male and female. He blessed them and he named them man, which is mankind, in the day when they were created. When Adam lived 130 years, he became the father of a son in his own likeness. Adam was created in the likeness of God. Because of the sin, because of the fall, humans are now created in the likeness of their fathers, where there is inherited sin in our lives. This comes through Adam. This is what the New Testament tells us, that there is sin that is coming through Adam. And then the day... <clears throat> so Seth was in Adam's image. So you see here that in the way we walk, our children often follow. In the way we walk, our children often follow. And this should put deep concern in your life. It really should. If you are a racist, your children will be more racist than you. They'll pick up on little innuendos that you speak about, and they'll become more racist than you are. If you are a gracious and giving person, your children will often pick up those tendencies and you'll find them to be gracious and giving. Very often what a, what a parent does in moderation, children will do in excess. What parents do in moderation, very often children will do in excess. Keep that in mind. So you, you say, well, I'm free to do this. Yeah, you're free to do a lot of things, but just think about this. Think about what your children are seeing Think about the way this is looking. And it says, The days of Adam after he became the father of Seth were 800 years, and he had other sons and daughters. So the days that Adam lived were 930 years, and he died. And so remember, Adam is going to live all the way through, overlapping with the life of a man named Methuselah, and then the first generation not to live overlapping with Adam is Noah, so he's able to share a lot with people of what it was like in the garden prior to the fall. He's able to share all of this. All of this can be communicated to mankind through this man that lived through the generations of all these people. <clears throat> and then it says, Then, then uh, uh, Seth lived 105 years and he became the father of Enosh. 
Then Seth lived 807 years after he became the father of Enosh, and he had other sons and daughters. So all the days of Seth were 912 years, and he died. So remember, he had Enosh. That's all we're told. Then there were a bunch of other sons and daughters that are not specifically noted. Well, why not? Well, aren't there enough names for you in the Bible? All right? So he's just giving us a select set so we can track back these lines. Enosh lived 900 years and he became the father of Kenan. Then Enosh lived 815 years and he became the fa- when he became the father of Kenan and he had other sons and daughters. So all the days of Enosh were 905 years and he died. Kenan lived 70 years and he became the father of Mahalalel. Then Kenan lived 840 years and after he became the father of Mahalalel. And he had other sons and daughters. So all the days of Kenan were 910 years and he died. Mahalalel lived 65 years and became the father of Jared. Mahalalel lived 830 years after he became the father of Jared, and he had other sons and daughters. So all the days of Mahalalel were 895 years, and he died. Jared lived 162 years, and he became the father of Enoch. Then Jared lived 800 years after he became the father of Enoch, and he had other sons and daughters. So all the days of Jared were 962 years, and he died. Again, you see these very long lives. The reason lives were shortened, God said, is he didn't want to be striving with man any longer. The longer you live, the more devious you can become. I'll give you an example. So, within a department of chemistry, within departments in the university, a person is hired, they're a young assistant professor, they have like no power in the department. All the power is held by the, by, by the full professors. And they make decisions and they, they govern, you know, what kind of books are going to be used, what things. Now, sometimes they'll yield some of that over to the others. But by and large, the tenured professors are going are gonna to run the show. They would keep and maintain that power forever. If they didn't grow old and can't keep up anymore. So after a while, you grow old and, 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 you know, the guy who's, you know, really robust and pounding on the table. After a few decades later, you know, he's just kind of sitting there and drooling. He, he doesn't have within him to be dominating in this way. And it allows others to come forth and to start taking positions. <clears throat> if you didn't become physically weak, I'll tell you, you would just maintain power. Plus, you become a lot more devious as you get older. There's a lot more ways that you can think about. And so God says, I'm tired of dealing with man. I'm going to shorten his life. So lives became shorter for a reason. So it says that, that, uh, uh, so it it talks about how these are very long lives. And now we get to a man named Enoch. Enoch lived 65 years and he became the father of Methuselah. Then Enoch walked with God 300 years after he became the father of Methuselah. And he had other sons and daughters. So all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. There is a big difference all of a sudden in this life of Enoch. Enoch, it says, it says that, that uh, he walked with God after he had Methuselah as a son. And this often happens. I mean, sometimes God gets a hold of a heart that the, a, a couple will have children and they're like, uh-oh, we don't want this kid to become like us. And they all of a sudden start getting serious about their faith. <clears throat> I never think that that's the best way 
The best way is to not just do this because of your child. The best way is that you, you walk in the proper way because it's right. <clears throat> but it says that he walked with God, that, 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 he, he, that he walked with God 300 years after he became the father of Methuselah. The other ones, it all says, and he lived X number of years after he became the father of so-and-so. He lived. This says he walked with God. You see the difference here? It picks this out as a difference. All of a sudden, there's a difference in this guy's life. He walked with God. Then it says again in verse 24, Enoch walked with God and he was not for God took him. He walked with God and he was not for God took him. There was something where all of a sudden that, that uh, uh, it came forth that he was taken. He was taken by God. It talks about uh, 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 Enoch in the New Testament in Jude uh, chapter 1 verse 14 through 15 it says it was about these men that Enoch in the seventh generation from Adam and that's right if you count the generations it's seven the arithmetic was quite good they didn't mix this thing up it was also about these men that Enoch in the seventh generation from Adam prophesied saying behold the Lord came with many thousands of his holy ones to execute judgment upon all and to convict all the ungodly of all their ungodly deeds which they have done in an ungodly way and of all the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him, meaning God. Enoch was a prophet. He was prophesying about the coming flood that was going to occur in two more generations. He's prophesying about this, the destruction that comes. He talks about the ungodly in all their ways. When we get to Genesis chapter 6, it's going to key in on the ungodly in all their ways. And he says they're ungodly in their ways and even the harsh things they speak against God. This is the next thing that happens. If we walk in sin and we let that thing continue, before you know it, we start speaking against God. Start speaking against God. God has done no wrong. Never did an ill look fall from the eyes of Jesus that wasn't perfect. Everything was absolutely perfect in Jesus. Never did an ill thought come into the mind of Jesus. He was absolutely perfect. Yet we, in our naivete, will start saying evil things about God as if we are somehow better than Him. This is the progression of evil that comes within the hearts of men. It says, Enoch walked with God. So you have all of these generations of this line. But it keys in on this individual. Enoch, he walked with God. God loved him so much that when he was 365 years old, God took him. 365 years old is like half of the life that he should have had. Their lives were about 10x our lives. We lived 70 to 80 years. They lived 800 to 900 years. They're like 10. They, he took him, you know, as if he were like 35 years old. He took his life. He took his life. Sometimes God will take people because he likes them a lot. This happens. So, for example, uh, I, I, I can read to you this, this, uh, this portion. There's a portion in, in, in Second Chronicles concerning, concerning, uh, uh, King Josiah. King Josiah had an amazing heart for God. He became king at a young age, and at 16 he really started uh, 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 seeking out God. And the book, the book of the law, 
the Tanakh, the, the Bible, the, the, actually the Torah, the first five books of Moses, were not read all the time. But they found a copy of the book in the, in the, uh, in the temple. They found a copy of the book. So Josiah said, read the book. When the book was read, Josiah was so impacted by this book. It says in 2 Chronicles chapter 34, verse 18. Moreover, Shaphan, the scribe, told the king, saying, Hilkiah the priest gave me a book. And Shaphan read from it in the presence of the king. When the king heard the words of the law, he tore his clothes. The king commanded Hilkiah, Ahikam, and the, the son of Shaphan, Abdon, the son of Micah, Shaphan, the scribe, and Asaiah, the king's servant, saying, Go, inquire of the Lord for me. For those who are left in Israel and in Judah concerning the words of the book which has been found. For great is the wrath of the Lord which is poured out on us because our fathers have not observed all the words of the Lord to do according to all that's written in the book. So for example, one of the things that's written in Deuteronomy 17 is that the kings should have been reading that book every day of their lives. Obviously he wasn't. He didn't even know it existed. They'd fallen so far from the Lord. But he was impacted when he heard the word of God. This is the result of his hearing that word of God and, re- and responding in the way that he did, that his heart was soft to respond to the word of God. And I urge you to remain with a soft heart toward the word of God, to love this word, to honor what it says, and not to think yourselves somehow above this, like Cain, that you can worship God in your own way. I urge you to take hold of this book. Look what it says of, of King Josiah. In, in, in 2 Chronicles 34, verse 26. But to the king of Judah who sent you to inquire of the Lord, thus you shall say to him, Thus says the Lord God of Israel regarding the words which you have heard. Because your heart was tender and you humbled yourself before God when you heard his word against this place and against its inhabitants, and because you humbled yourself before me, tore your clothes and wept before me, I have truly heard you, says the Lord. When he heard the word of God, he tore his clothes, which to them was an expression of, I'm beside myself. And he wept. This is the king weeping. You consider yourself distinguished? This is the king weeping. This is the king weeping. When he heard the word of God, that's how much it impacted him. What was the result of that? This is what it says. The Lord declares in verse, verse uh, 28 of Second Chronicles 34, Behold, I will gather you to your fathers, and you shall be gathered to your grave in peace, so your eyes will not see all the evil which I will bring on this place and on its inhabitants. And they brought back word to the king. I'm going to take you from this earth so that you don't have to see the destruction that's going to come. That's how much I love you. And, and uh, Josiah died at the age of 39. Died at the age of 39, which is sort of middle-aged. I know to you that sounds like really, really old. But that's really middle-aged. That's what he, he died. Because God wanted to spare him. Sometimes God wants to spare people. He did with Enoch. He took him. He took Josiah. There's other examples of this. So, for example, there was a really evil king of the northern kingdom named Jeroboam. And Jeroboam's son gets sick. And so he finally humbles himself and goes to, uh, sends his wife to a prophet. He sends her actually in disguise 
because he knows that you know, after he's you know, killed all these other prophets, they're not going to welcome him. So he sends his wife in disguise, and she goes to ask him, will, my, will our son recover? And so it says in 1 Kings chapter 14, verse 11, And anyone belonging to Jeroboam who dies in the city, the dogs will eat. And he who dies in the field, the birds of the heavens will eat, for the Lord has spoken it. So he's calling out judgment on Jeroboam's house, for Jeroboam walked in a dastardly way. But he says this, Now you, arise, go to your house. When your feet enter the city, the child will die. All Israel shall mourn for him and bury him, for he alone of Jeroboam's family will come to the grave, because in him something good was found toward the Lord God of Israel in the house of Jeroboam. This young man died, this, this boy died as a child. Because God said, I found something good in him. I don't want him to have to go through this. So there are examples in Scripture where God takes people that we might say, oh, look, they must have sinned. Their life is cut short. Actually, maybe it's just the opposite. Maybe God wanted to spare them of trouble. We don't know. But there are examples of this. And here is an example of Enoch. He was just never underwent death. Boom, just transported to the Lord. You can read in 2 Thessalonians about what the rapture is going to be like. The rapture. When believers in Christ are, are, are brought up to heaven, when believers in Christ are, are just brought up to heaven, that there's going to be just a call and those who believe, it says, will be taken up into heaven. You say, how can that be? Well, it's a miracle, all right? It doesn't happen every day, all right? God is able to do this sort of thing. And he says, it's just going to be taken up. That's what this was like. This was a foreshadow of the rapture. God is able to take people. He did the same thing with the prophet, with the prophet Elijah. He did the same thing. He took him. Just took him, just like that. God is able to do this. This is what happened to Enoch. It says, verse 25, Methuselah lived, of, of Genesis chapter 5, 187 years and became the father of Lamech. Then Methuselah lived 782 years after he became the father of Lamech. And he had other sons and daughters. So all the days of Methuselah were 969 years and he died. Methuselah is the longest referenced person to ever live. 969 years. He was the last person to live that could see Adam. That could actually overlap with Adam. Whether he actually saw Adam, we don't know. But his life overlapped with the life of Adam. And he ends up being the longest lived person. So here you have Enoch was taken in midlife. His son lives the longest of any other human being. It's interesting. God has a way of rewarding. God has a way of doing this. And he rewards even beyond generations. We don't understand this. Lamech lived 182 years, <clears throat> became the father of a son. Now he called the name Noah, saying, This one will give us rest from our work and from the toil of our hands, arising from the ground which the Lord has cursed. Then Lamech lived 595 years after he became the father of Noah, and he had other sons and daughters. So all the days of Lamech, 777 years, and he died. So Lamech had this son Noah, and he knew Noah was special because he named him peace. This name Noah means peace. He's going to bring peace. Methuselah, the name Methuselah means spear and also when he dies, it will come. 
Methuselah names when he dies, it will come. So Enoch, being a prophet, is prophesying something through the name of his son Methuselah. When he dies, it will come. The year that Methuselah died, the flood came. The year that Methuselah died, the flood came. And so you see this, this, all of this happening. All of this is foretold. What is going to happen? He has this man, Noah. In verse 32, it says, Noah was 500 years old, and Noah became the father of Shem, Ham, and Japheth. We're going to learn about Noah next time, but what you see is you see these people of God. There were certain people who loved God, who loved God, and also blessings came upon their children. Blessings came upon their children. So there is blessing in following the Lord. There's blessing in following the Lord. So for example, in Proverbs chapter 14, verse 26, it says, In the fear of the Lord, there is strong confidence, and His children will have refuge. I take great solace in this. My children will have refuge if I fear God. God will care for my children. This is the blessing that he puts before us. In the fear of the Lord, there is strong confidence. If you fear God, you can have enormous confidence. And I have seen this and experienced this over and over again in my life. I was, I was, it it is so amazing that I speak before the groups of people that I speak toward. I was so insecure in myself, I could never even look at people in the eye. And God chose me and said, look what I'm going to do through you. This is all the Lord. It says, in the fear of the Lord, there is strong confidence. And you guys are easy, easy to speak to groups like you. The hardest people I ever spoke to is when I used to go into the prisons and speak to large yards outside of of prison inmates, because I don't know their culture. I, I never lived in the hood. I never lived like that. But God empowers you. What has God called you to? If you have the fear of the Lord, He can give you great confidence in it. I study the great evangelists. I study Charles Spurgeon, George Whitfield. All of them talk about when you have the confidence of the Lord. You may be terrified in yourself, but you can go in with great confidence. This is what he's talking about. And he says, oh, and by the way, you fear the Lord, I'll bless your children. Lord, I want that. You fear the Lord, he says, and I will bless your children. It says in in, in Psalm 112, verse 1 and 2, Praise the Lord. How blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in His commandments. We are blessed if we delight in His commandments. And then the next verse is, His descendants will be mighty on earth. The generation of the upright will be blessed. His descendants will be mighty on earth. The generation of the upright will be blessed. If you fear God, He will bless your children. If you love His Word, He will make your children mighty on this earth. The blessing extends beyond us into a realm where we're not even living anymore. But if we fear God and bring our children up in the fear of the Lord, he, he, he will bring, then He will bless those children. He will do it. He will bless those children if we fear Him. The blessing extends beyond us and this is what we see. Enoch loved God. Feared God. He gives birth to Methuselah. Methuselah gives birth to Noah. And we'll learn in the next chapter that Noah was a righteous man. And we'll see what the New Testament has 
to, to say about Noah and the righteousness that came because of it. There is great blessing. We reap what we sow in life. Oh, we reap what we sow. If you sow iniquity, the scripture says, you will reap iniquity. We reap what we sow. So, for example, in, in Luke chapter 6, verse 37, Jesus talks about this. He says, do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Pardon and you will be pardoned. Give and it will be given to you. They will pour out into your lap a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. For by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you in return. Now, I know a lot of people love to talk about this in the context of giving money. And I have no problem with that. But the context here is in pardoning and, and, and uh, not condemning. <clears throat> he says, do not judge and you will not be judged. You want to judge other people all the time? You yourself will be judged in the same way. He says, do not condemn, you will not be condemned. Pardon and you will be pardoned. Has somebody offended you? Has somebody done something to hurt you? You are obliged by the power of God and the mercies of God to forgive that person. In fact, it says in the Beatitudes that we are to forgive. He says, and if you do not forgive, your heavenly Father will not forgive you your transgressions. Whoa! In the same way that we dish it out, we will get it. If you don't want to forgive, God says, I will not forgive you. That's what it says. That should strike some fear into us. We are obliged to pardon. He says, in the same way that you give it, you will get it, not just one for one. You'll get it overflowing. The principle of sowing and reaping is this. You plant one kernel of corn, you get an entire stock which will give you 10,000 plus kernels of corn. 10,000 to one. It's not one to one in God's kingdom. But if you show mercy, you will get 10,000 times mercy back. If you show a pardon, you'll get 10,000 times pardon back. This is what it says. They will pour out into your lap, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. It's just going to be running over. How come everybody's always against me? Well, maybe because you're against others. So that's why it's come upon you. You take another person who says, God has blessed me so much. Just look at the favor that comes upon me. Then you look at that person's life and you see how gracious they've been to others. So the graciousness just comes upon them. This is the pattern we see with the patriarchs. Those who loved God and worshipped God. Their, their children, their children went forward and their children were blessed. And you see the life of Cain in that line of Cain. They became involved in the things of the world. And this is what people of the world get involved with when they don't have God. Everything is about the items of this world. You can have all the items you want. It's not the items. It's just what consumes your life. And I look at unbelievers all the time and the things that consume their lives. And their toys that consume their lives. And you don't, with all these toys, do you have any time for God? You know how much time it takes to take care of all these toys you got? You get consumed by many other things. That's the line of Cain. The line of Seth, you see this popping up of men who loved God and the tradition that came through that. And this is what will carry down to your children. What you do will carry down to your children. That's the testimony of Scripture. It's going to be blessed down. For by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you in return. That's what Jesus said. When Jesus speaks this, 
You know what has to happen? This, it cannot help but happen. The world would stop spinning before this word would fall to the ground. It cannot help but happen. So if you think somehow I can escape this, I can do what I want, it's not going to come upon me. Can't happen. Not going to happen. Jesus' words will be fulfilled. Has to happen that way. That's what it means, the word of God. That's the message that he gives us through the life of these godly men. Like Enoch walked with God. And then comes Noah. And you see a life set apart for God. And what is accomplished through this man's life. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your word. What a precious word. Thank you, Lord, for the testimony through your word. Where you give us treasures that we can look at the lives of others. That have either lived in a godly way or lived in an ungodly way. And we can see the outcome of their lives. Father, thank you for these pictures that you show us. And then for the words of Jesus that come crashing through into our lives. Father, there are people here who do not know you. It is impossible for them to take hold of these things because they do not embrace Jesus, his death on the cross, the free gift that has been given to them. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that they would take hold of the free gift that has been offered for them. For them so that they could have life in Jesus Christ and in Him only. And Father, I pray for the believers that are here, that they would set their lives in order to follow You, that if they fear You and honor Your Word, that You would bless them and also bless their children through them, making them mighty on this earth. The grace of God be upon these young people. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.